0: Something to note, all of the groups covered on this show operate in secret. The details included in this episode are based on extensive research, but ultimately can never be 100% verified except by society members themselves.
1: Due to the graphic nature of these events, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of police brutality, domestic violence, murder, and racism. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. In June
0: 1999, a group of young men in their 20s and 30s tucked handguns into their waistbands and piled into a late model Chevy sedan. As they drove through Lennox, a tiny South Los Angeles neighborhood, they were on high alert. After all, Lennox was home to street gangs like the Lennox 13 and factions of the
1: Crips and Bloods. Inside the car, the guys passed around a bottle of whiskey, each taking a long chug. Then they gave it to the youngest of the group, a fresh-faced recruit in his early 20s with a buzz cut and nervous eyes.
0: After a short drive past discount tire shops and strip clubs, they pulled down a dark alley. The men checked their sidearms and led the recruit into the back of an unmarked business.
1: Inside, the guys handed the business owner a stack of cash and a piece of paper. But they weren't here for drugs or guns.
0: The store owner was also a tattoo artist, and he used the paper to stencil a tattoo on the recruit's leg. Soon, an image emerged from the ink and blood. A Grim Reaper with a scythe overhead.
1: The others lifted their pant legs to reveal matching tattoos. They were all part of a gang. The Lennox Grim Reapers. But they were hiding another secret. Each of them was a law enforcement officer with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department.
0: I'm Kate Leonard. Usually, I host Kingpins, where we cover the rise and fall of underworld figures in organized crime.
1: And I'm Greg Polson. I host Secret Societies, another Spotify original from ParCast, exploring mysterious organizations from around the world.
0: This is our second episode in a special crossover of Secret Societies and Kingpins, both Spotify originals from ParCast. We are taking you on a deep dive into the deputy gangs hidden within the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department.
1: Last week, my co-host Vanessa Richardson from Secret Societies and Kate's co-host Alastair Merton from Kingpins discussed the origins of Sheriff's Department gangs, from the Little Devils to the Linwood Vikings.
0: This week, Greg and I are chronicling one of the most secretive cliques in the department, the Lennox Grim Reapers.
1: Based in the tiny neighborhood of Lennox, California, the Reapers allegedly wielded power across many levels in the LA Sheriff's Department, even after the Lenox station's decommissioning in 2010.
0: This week, we'll see how their clandestine organization was thrust into the spotlight from newspaper exposés to a landmark legal battle. We'll also examine the financial implications of the case and the multi-million dollar impact that the Reapers and other sheriff's department deputy gangs are having on the department and its taxpayers.
1: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Lennox, officially an unincorporated section of Los Angeles County, is only roughly 15 miles south of the boutiques of Beverly Hills and beaches of Santa Monica, but it might as well be worlds away. Lennox is a sun-baked stretch of used car lots, graffitied walls, and fading apartment buildings.
0: Those used car lots and apartments are shoehorned into a tiny postage stamp of a community. Lenox sits on just one square mile of land, but it overflows with nearly 22,000 people, at least as of the 2010 census. That's on par with the population densities in parts of New York City and Miami, and only a few other neighborhoods in Los Angeles, like Maywood and Walnut Park, are more crowded.
1: The approximately 22,000 souls in Lennox, 93% of whom are Latinx, 3% African-American, and 1% Caucasian, live in a cauldron bordered by other neighborhoods, often characterized by the wider world as troubled, like South Los Angeles, Inglewood, and Compton.
0: Although Inglewood and Compton receive plenty of headlines and references in hip-hop lyrics, Lennox's crime rate is actually higher than most of LA. According to the FBI, it has 69% more violent crime than the national average, and much of it is gang-related.
1: Lenox is a battleground for several street gangs. Its neighborhoods have been, over the years, terrorized by the notorious Vario Lenox, the South Los Gang, Los Compadres, and local subsets of the infamous Crips and Bloods.
0: The most established gang in the neighborhood is the Vario Lennox, also known as the Lennox 13. The gang is affiliated with the Mexican Mafia, a brutal criminal organization that spans the US, and they reportedly engage in drug distribution as well as extorting local
1: business owners. But drugs and extortion weren't always common. When it was settled in the late 1800s, Lennox was a peaceful farming community.
0: At the turn of the 20th century, Lennox residents prized the neighborhood's proximity to the beach as well as its distance from the bustle of downtown Los Angeles. It was a hamlet for families, mostly white settlers from the East Coast and the Midwest.
1: By the 1920s, Lennox had evolved into a quintessential farming community with a main street of mom and pop shops and farms on the outskirts. Children walked to and from school, Ice cream and bakery trucks delivered sweets to neighborhoods.
0: Then, in the 1940s, Lennox was thrust into World War II. Many of its young men left to fight overseas, while the remaining residents went to work on the war effort.
1: With Los Angeles International Airport less than a mile away, Lennox transformed into a place known for aerospace and defense. Community members worked at nearby companies like Boeing, Douglas and Lockheed churning out fighter planes and bombers to fight the war.
0: With more jobs came more people and, naturally, an increase in crime, like drunk driving, petty theft, and domestic disturbances. Policing the small neighborhood was the L.A. County Sheriff's Department.
1: For years, the nearest sheriff's substation had been almost 10 miles away, near downtown but with the growing population in Lenox and South Los Angeles, the Sheriff's Department built an outpost called Lenox Station.
0: For many residents, Lennox Station was a welcome addition. Response times for emergency calls reportedly went from a half hour or more down to several minutes.
1: Deputies patrolled the streets regularly and kept crime to a minimum. The uniformed men became fixtures in the community, and many residents knew them by name.
0: To its residents, Lenox seemed like the perfect place to live. Palm trees, ocean breezes, and abundant manufacturing jobs. It was exactly how Hollywood painted life in Southern California.
1: But as the 1960s arrived, things began to change. Civil rights and black power leaders became a driving force in LA, promoting social justice and equity for black Americans. Similarly, the Chicano movement spread across East LA, lighting a spark and empowering the city's Latinx population.
0: At the heart of both movements was one glaring demand, better treatment of people of color by law enforcement. At the time, police departments were almost exclusively white, and they frequently subjected communities of color to unwarranted violence, brutality, and discrimination.
1: Up to this point, Lenox had sidestepped many racial issues because it was fairly, homogeneously white. Residents could be blissfully unaware of tensions outside their community. But with the abundant post-war manufacturing and airport service jobs, there had been an influx of Latinx workers.
0: These new neighbors were met with racism and segregation from the established white majority of Lenox. Many were denied home loans so they couldn't live inside city limits. The few who could find a way in experienced similar racial violence to other areas of LA, often subjected to vandalism and beatings.
1: To protect themselves, some Latinx residents decided to organize. They started the first gang in town, the Lennox 13.
0: From its inception, the Lennox 13 was seen by white residents and the local sheriff's deputies as their number one concern. Any local violent crime was blamed on the gang, whether or not
1: they were actually involved. Then, in the summer of 1965, an event reshaped Lennox and the surrounding city of LA. An event the Lennox 13 had nothing to do with the Watts Rebellion.
0: On August 11, 1965, only a few miles from Lennox, 21 year old Marquette Fry, a young black man from South Los Angeles, was pulled over by the California Highway Patrol. While he was being detained, his mother, Rena arrived and a fight ensued. Both Rena and Marquette were arrested, along with Marquette's brother, Ronald.
1: Over the next five days, thousands of people, already enraged by police brutality and racial injustice, gathered and marched. And the marching turned to chaos. The city of Los Angeles and the neighborhood of Lennox were engulfed by riots, looting, and fires.
0: Though the initial arrest was affected by the highway patrol, all law enforcement agencies in LA became involved, including the sheriff's department and its Lenox station.
1: On August 13th, two days into the riots, the first fatality occurred. 26-year-old sheriff's deputy Ronald Ludlow was dispersing a crowd from a burning, looted store. When a car pulled up to the location, one of his colleagues pointed a shotgun into the vehicle, motioning them along.
0: One of the passengers inside grabbed the shotgun. The deputy tried to wrench it free, but in the melee, the gun went off, hitting Deputy Ludlow in the abdomen. Ludlow died on the way to the hospital, and the passenger who grabbed the shotgun was initially convicted of homicide However, he was eventually acquitted on his appeal and released.
1: Ludlow's death exacerbated the conflict between law enforcement and residents. The city government cracked down, calling in the California Army National Guard. By the end of August 14th, roughly 16,000 law enforcement officials were patrolling the city.
0: Five days later, when the smoke finally cleared, there were 34 dead, 1,032 injured, 3,438 arrests and close to $40 million in property damage. It was one of the most violent episodes in LA since the Chinese massacre of 1871, and another example of LA's problematic history of racial violence.
1: Immediately following the riots, there were significant changes in Lennox. First, many of the white residents packed up and left. They didn't want to stick around for future riots. People referred to it as white flight.
0: Alongside the exodus, Lennox experienced an even larger influx of immigrants from Mexico and Central America than before World War II. Within a few years, the Latinx population became the majority.
1: But even as demographics shifted, the sheriff's department, especially Lennox Station, remained primarily white men.
0: As a direct result, the sheriff's department decided to arm themselves even more, preparing for additional riots and unrest. They created one of the first SWAT teams in the country, a heavily armed backup squad of sharpshooters who could be deployed around LA.
1: Even with the new SWAT team waiting in the wings, deputies at remote stations like Lennox felt increasingly under threat from the general population. They were isolated and outnumbered.
0: The violence got worse in the 1980s with the advent of crack cocaine. In Lennox, Latinx gangs like the Lennox 13 battled Black gangs like the Crips and Bloods over territory and drug trafficking control. The bloodshed poured into the streets.
1: With gang war seemingly surrounding them on all sides, the Lennox Station Deputies felt more and more like an island of law enforcement in a sea of violence. They were up against increasingly sophisticated gangs toting automatic weapons. So the officers reportedly decided to take matters into their own hands.
0: They had heard stories of other sheriff stations like East LA and Linwood starting underground groups of deputies with secret tattoos.
1: So the young men at Lennox decided to form their own. They chose a symbol that represented an unstoppable force. One that lurked in the shadows and brought with it the inevitability of death, the Grim Reaper.
0: Then they tattooed the Reaper on their ankles and swore an oath of secrecy. They weren't any ordinary deputies anymore. They were a gang.
1: Coming up, the Grim Reapers remain in the shadows until they are outed by a newspaper expose.
2: Hi, listeners. If you love all things true crime, do I have a show for you. It's the Spotify original from ParCast, Unsolved Murders. Every Tuesday, join hosts Carter and Wendy as they examine a real murder that, to this day, remains a mystery. Part dramatic podcast, part old-time radio show, Unsolved Murders uses an ensemble cast of actors to take you on a journey through the crime scene and its ensuing investigation. And while each murder technically remains unsolved, at the end of each case, you will get a thorough explanation of who the most likely culprit is and their motivation. From LA's Black Dahlia to Egypt's Cleopatra, unsolved murders brings you closer than ever to crimes that have no tidy resolutions. It's always been a favorite of mine, and I have no doubt you'll love it too follow Unsolved Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Now back to the story.
1: Sometime in the 1980s or 90s, LA County Sheriff's deputies at Lenox Station formed a secret organization called the Grim Reapers. To this day, the date of their founding is unknown, a testament to the group's code of silence. But it was during the heyday of the crack epidemic that deputies were suddenly sporting grim reaper tattoos on their ankles. The
0: few details we do know have been pieced together from eyewitness accounts, as well as inferences drawn from other sheriff's department gangs. Some outside the group, including former sheriff Lee Baca, speculate that the Reapers began simply as an informal gathering for drinking and partying.
1: Sheriff's deputies, much like other law enforcement officers, have a reputation for being heavy drinkers. When the badge comes off, many of them blow off steam with copious amounts of alcohol.
0: That relationship with booze has been the subject of significant psychological research. A study published in the American Journal on Addictions found that one in four police officers have unhealthy drinking habits. Experts point to the fact that police work is stressful, and at times, deadly it also requires a high level of trust and camaraderie
1: many police officers view non-drinkers as suspicious and unsociable people so drinking has not only become a way for law enforcement officers to bond but to prove their solidarity and reinforce group dynamics
0: the lennox grim reapers were no different one anonymous source within the reapers described it as no more than some of the fraternities at schools
1: Former L.A. County Sheriff Lee Baca claimed that many of them regretted joining when they sobered up, especially when their wives saw the tattoo.
0: He also added that deputies destroyed their lives with this nonsense of the drinking and tattoos.
1: But Sheriff Baca's criticism likely galvanized the Reapers even more. He was like a nagging father telling his kids not to party or get tattoos. It only made the gangs more appealing. They became forbidden fruit.
0: Over time, the Reapers likely evolved into more than just drinking and tattoos. There is some evidence that once deputy gangs like the Reapers were large enough, they were able to influence department assignments, work schedules, and even calls for backup.
1: But even as the Reapers grew within Lenox Station, for the first decade of their existence, little was known about them on the outside. They successfully remained off the public radar. Then, in
0: 1999, something happened that thrust them into the spotlight
1: in march of 1999 the los angeles times published a groundbreaking article about secret societies in the l.a county sheriff's department it was one of the first public glimpses into the world of deputy gangs
0: the article exposed numerous groups like the east l.a little devils and linwood vikings but the piece zeroed in on one gang in particular. The Lennox Grim Reapers.
1: The LA Times had access to a confidential source inside the Reapers, who gave them the first behind-the-scenes look into the secret world. The deputy was not identified, but he confirmed he was a tattooed member of the Reapers.
0: While the deputy was open about the existence of the gang, he was careful not to implicate them in illegal activity or discrimination. He explained that his tattoo only showed that he was respected by his peers.
1: Then he added, what am I going to get? A tattoo of Winnie the Pooh?
0: His glib response wasn't echoed by Sheriff Lee Baca at the time. Baca responded, having a grim Reaper tattoo does not bring confidence in you as a deputy.
1: Even though Sheriff Baca disapproved of the Reapers, many believed he didn't go far enough in addressing the problem. Some speculated that Baca's sheriff Paul Tanaka, who we profiled in last week's episode, undermined meaningful reforms against deputy gangs.
0: Tanaka was an inked member of the Linwood Vikings and had already been involved in an alleged department cover-up of an officer-involved shooting. So it seemed to be in Tanaka's best interests to ignore any criticism and let the LA Times article fade into the background.
1: But Tanaka wasn't powerful enough to stop another newspaper expose. In June 1999, the New York Times published an investigation about law enforcement, this time about racial profiling. During the course of his research, the Times reporter received unprecedented access to Lenox Station. There, he encountered numerous grim reapers. The journalist noted that many of the deputies, mostly white young men with military backgrounds, had reaper tattoos on their ankles. It was more confirmation of the proliferation of the gang.
0: But this time, the gang wasn't the focus of the story. The reporter was hoping to learn about racial bias in law enforcement. For that, he was allowed to do a ride-along with a young Lennox deputy named Jeffrey Coates.
1: Coates was a white deputy policing an area that was over 90% Latinx, and he confirmed the journalist's worst suspicions about racial bias. Except Deputy Coates didn't call it racial profiling. He referred to it as pretext stops.
0: During a pretext stop, Deputy Coates reportedly ignored white drivers and targeted Black and Latinx drivers, hoping to find drugs, firearms, or evidence of criminal behavior. Textbook racial profiling.
1: Toward the end of the reporter's ride with Coates, he asked the deputy point-blank if he was a grim reaper. Coates replied that he had been forthright and truthful during their day together, and he wasn't going to lie to him now. So Coates declined to answer the question.
0: It was a tactical answer to a direct question. Coates didn't confirm that he was a Reaper, but he didn't deny it either.
1: Coates' career and status in the department didn't seem to be impacted by the article. In June 2000, he was awarded the Sheriff's Department's meritorious Conduct Medal for protecting a bystander and other deputies during a gunfight in the Lennox area. He later became a Sheriff's Department SWAT officer.
0: After the initial publicity around Coates's ride-along in the New York Times, much of the attention on the Grim Reapers dissipated. The public seemed less concerned about gangs in the LASD as they did with corruption within
1: the LAPD. In 1999, the Rampart scandal dominated headlines. The LAPD's Rampart division was implicated in various accusations, such as police brutality, planting evidence, robbery, drug dealing, and perjury. The focus on the LAPD allowed the LASD deputy gangs, like the Reapers, to slip back into the shadows.
0: Then, over a decade later, a disciplinary case within the sheriff's department threatened to blow the gang's cover for good.
1: On December 27, 2014, a cell phone video captured off-duty LA County Sheriff's Deputy Karen Carl Mendoyan reportedly breaking into his ex-girlfriend's apartment. He was allegedly stalking her and trying to control her life.
0: With a black hat pulled low over his eyes and a nondescript white t-shirt, Mendoyan appeared to use a metal tool to pry open her sliding glass door.
1: When the deputy realized he was being videotaped, he seemed surprised for a moment, but he continued on undeterred and entered the woman's home.
0: The footage became one of the most important exhibits in a disciplinary case against Mendoyan, a case that would later reveal that he was a grim reaper.
1: In the months after the break-in, Mendoyan's former partner, who was also a deputy, continued to document her ex's threatening behavior She filed a police report, citing bruises, lacerations, and other harassing treatment from Mendoyan. Then, in June 2015, she filed an official complaint with the sheriff's department.
0: A month later, Mendoyan was suspended from duty while the department opened an investigation. During the course of the inquiry, Mendoyan admitted to having the Grim Reaper tattoo on his leg.
1: During the investigation, Mendoyan's ex also turned over an audio recording one that seemed to show Mendoyan threatening retribution from him and the Reapers."
0: She testified that she believed Mendoyan's association with the Reapers gave him influence with sheriff's dispatchers that could result in her being assigned to extra calls. Instead of getting a break between assignments, she would be sent on one after another for her whole shift, a circumstance that would not only be exhausting, but dangerous.
1: To combat her claims, Mendoyan's defense attempted to portray the young woman as mentally unstable, alleging that she had repeatedly contacted Mendoyan after they had broken up.
0: The defense's claims didn't seem to sway the sheriff's department, though. In August 2016, they upheld the decision to remove Mendoyan from duty. He was officially fired.
1: But it wasn't the end of the case. Mendoyan filed an appeal with the LA Civil Service Commission, the final arbiter of labor disputes for government jobs.
0: In January 2018, after a year of investigation and hearings, the Civil Service Office confirmed the decision to discharge Mendoyan. It seemed the final nail was in the coffin for his career in the LASD.
1: But Mendoyan wasn't about to give up. Much like the figurative grim reaper on his leg, He lurked in the shadows, looking for an opportunity to strike, and he soon found it.
0: On November 26, 2018, a new sheriff was elected in Los Angeles. Alex Villanueva, a newcomer, beat out incumbent Jim McDonnell. Even though Villanueva had never held public office, he was a popular deputy in the LA County Sheriff's Department.
1: Villanueva was seen as a populist who would bring transparency and accountability to a position that was consistently politicized. Villanueva's Latinx background also assured folks that he would root out racist deputy gangs and assert justice for LA's residents.
0: Just a week later, on December 4th, 2018, Villanueva was sworn in as the Los Angeles County Sheriff. At the ceremony, the news cameras captured one particular guest on stage with Villanueva, Carl Mendoyan.
1: In the days that followed, it was revealed that Mendoyan had served on Villanueva's election campaign and as his personal driver. This was suspicious to many.
0: 3 weeks later, on December 28th, Mendoyan was reinstated as a deputy.
1: It was a shocking development for those involved in Mendoyan's case. Critics of the sheriff's department pointed to this as a clear example of a quid pro quo between the new sheriff and fired deputies.
0: For his part, Sheriff Villanueva denied any wrongdoing. He claimed the evidence against Mendoyan was flimsy, so he deserved to be reinstated.
1: But the county saw things differently. Two months later, on February 28, 2019, the County of Los Angeles Auditor-Controller notified Mendoyan that Sheriff Villanueva didn't have the authority to rehire him. The county ordered Mendoyan to return his gun and badge.
0: Like a showdown in the Old West, both sides refused to budge. What followed was a lengthy legal battle between Villanueva and the county. Villanueva argued that Mendoyan's disciplinary hearings had been flawed.
1: L.A. County maintained that Mendoyan's hearings had been handled properly and that the sheriff has limited power to appoint deputies.
0: At the time of this recording, the case is still being litigated and has allegedly created significant conflict in the department. It's also served to highlight the apparent power of sheriff's department gangs like the Grim Reapers.
1: As a result, the once-secretive Reapers were now at the forefront of news and public awareness They seem to hold significant sway in the department, even with the sheriff himself.
0: But in appealing his case to such a high level, Mendoyan may have inadvertently caused the unraveling of the Grim Reapers. The Reapers were no longer only impacting residents in Lenox. They were costing taxpayers millions of dollars.
1: Up next, the Grim Reaper's downfall might not be their violent behavior, but their price tag.
0: Now, back to the story.
1: After years of operating in secret, the Lennox Grim Reapers were exposed in 1999. That year, articles from the Los Angeles Times and the New York Times spotlighted the Reapers as a group of rogue deputies with tattoos.
0: Then, in 2016, a disciplinary case within the department further illuminated the secretive organization. There were allegations that the Reapers intimidated other deputies with threats of violence and dangerous work assignments and held unusual influence within the department.
1: Despite those significant revelations, perhaps the most headline-grabbing part of the case was the price tag of the legal fees.
0: The case of former Deputy Karen Mendoian was costing the county upwards of $1,500 per hour. And it was the result of an unusual legal dilemma. The government was, in essence, suing
1: itself. L.A. County, led by the Board of Supervisors and Auditor-Controller, filed a lawsuit against the L.A. County Sheriff's Department and Sheriff Villanueva.
0: Both the county and sheriff hired specialized private attorneys. By one account, there were at least a dozen lawyers working on the case.
1: Of course, specialized legal counsel doesn't come cheap. According to a report by a local news station, the Board of Supervisors' legal team cost $495 per hour.
0: But that's a relative bargain compared with the lead attorney for Sheriff Villanueva, who is reportedly being paid $1,120 per hour.
1: Those fees add up quickly. According to Villanueva, the case has cost the county close to $3 million so far. And there's no end in sight.
0: Even more shocking, perhaps, is that Nueva and the Board of Supervisors aren't footing the bill. LA taxpayers are.
1: And attorney fees are only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the gang's financial impact on LA County and its residents. There are also millions of dollars of legal settlements stemming from deputy gangs like the Grim Reapers.
0: One of the earliest financial blowbacks from LASD deputy gangs came in 1996 with the Linwood Vikings. The county settled a class action lawsuit in which residents accused deputies in the gang of discrimination and intimidation tactics.
1: The Vikings, who we learned about last week, were running, according to U.S. District Judge Terry J. Hatter Jr., a quote, neo-Nazi white supremacist gang out of Linwood Sheriff Station.
0: To settle the charges, the county paid $9 million. The majority of it, $7.5 million, was distributed to 80 residents who reported being on the receiving end of the Vikings' excessive force. The remaining $1.5 million was earmarked for retraining
1: deputies. And that was just the beginning. Within the next decade, more suits were filed against the sheriff's department in connection to secret gangs of deputies. In
0: 2008, inmates of LA County Central Jail accused sheriff's deputies of brutality. One of the men, Heriberto Rodriguez, testified that deputies beat and choked him until he blacked out.
1: Instead of seeking medical attention for Rodriguez, the deputies used a stun gun to shock him back to consciousness.
0: Once Rodriguez was awake again, the guards allegedly used the stun gun to shock him on his chest, legs, and even his testicles. Then the deputies smashed him on the head with a flashlight, fracturing his skull.
1: In addition to the brutal beatings, Rodriguez testified that several of the deputies were members of a secret clique, in other words, a gang.
0: Rodriguez didn't identify the gangs, but at the time, Central Jail was terrorized by two organizations of deputies, the 2,000 Boys and the 3,000 Boys. The 2,000 Boys worked the second floor, the 3,000 Boys, appropriately, the third floor. Rodriguez was an inmate on the third floor.
1: It was never confirmed whether the deputies who beat Rodriguez were part of the 3,000 Boys. However, the county ended up settling the case for close to a million dollars, and it reimbursed Rodriguez and other plaintiffs a whopping $6 million in legal fees.
0: But deputy gangs didn't just target prisoners and civilians. In 2014, a complaint was filed by a veteran female deputy. She claimed East LA station gang members sexually harassed, threatened, and demanded sex from her as part of training.
1: According to the deputy's lawsuit, she declined the advances. But in retaliation, she was subjected to even more harassment and physical abuse. At one point, she found a dead rat placed conspicuously under her car.
0: The retaliation wasn't only metaphorical. It soon devolved into dangerous physical threats, too. In one instance, she was run off the road by another deputy. To sweep the case under the rug, the county wrote a check for $1.5 million.
1: But that was chump change compared to what was on the horizon. In 2019, the county settled another case against the infamous Linwood Vikings, this time for $10.1 million.
0: This time, it involved a wrongful imprisonment case stemming from the 1991 murder conviction of a 16-year-old named Francisco Carrillo. Carrillo was accused of being the trigger man of a drive-by shooting in Linwood.
1: When Linwood Sheriff's deputies couldn't find a suspect, they pinned the murder on Carrillo. The young man spent 20 years in prison until the Innocence Project took on his case.
0: They were able to convince the court that Carrillo was falsely imprisoned, specifically due to corrupt Linwood Vikings.
1: With Mr. Carrillo's recent settlement of $10 million, L.A. County taxpayers have now shelled out over $55 million to pay for the misconduct of Sheriff's Department deputy gangs.
0: That price tag doesn't come close to compensating victims and families for the pain and suffering caused by these groups. But hopefully, it will motivate the county and residents to demand justice and accountability from the sheriff. Only time will tell.
1: In the past, some of the problematic stations have been closed down in the hopes that their gang will disappear as well. As we saw last week, the notorious Linwood station was decommissioned and reorganized into the nearby Century Station.
0: Coincidentally, in the years following the revelations about the Lennox Grim Reapers, Lennox Station was also shuttered. It too was replaced by a brand new facility, this time in South Los Angeles.
1: But shiny new sheriff stations have been built for the department in the past and have done little to change deputies' behavior.
0: After the fresh paint has faded from the California sun, what's left are echoes of the past, from corrupt sheriffs to vigilante deputies.
1: Thanks again for tuning into this special crossover series from Secret Societies and Kingpins. We'll be back next week with Part 3 and a deep dive into the Wild West vigilante origins of the L.A. County Sheriff's Department and one of their most enigmatic gangs, the Jump Out Boys.
0: For more information about the Carl Mandoyan case, amongst the many sources we used, we found the Los Angeles County Office of the Inspector General's file on truth and reconciliation process very helpful to our research.
1: You can find all episodes of Secret Societies and all other Spotify Originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time.
0: Kingpins and Secret Societies are Spotify Originals from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode was written by Allie Wicker, with fact-checking by Haley Milliken, and research by Julian Boireau, Brad Klein, and Brian Petras. This episode stars Greg Polson and Kate Leonard.